Hello, and welcome back to Spill Your Guts. I'm your host, Kevin Lane. The holidays have come and gone, and it's a new year, and we're back at it, bringing you intimate one-on-one sit-downs with the most exciting voices in horror. 2023 was a fantastic year for horror, and 2024 doesn't look to be slowing down. So though the new year is often a time for looking forward at what's to come, it's also a time for reflection. This season, we will be spotlighting some of the genre's great entries that you may have missed or that for a number of reasons, a global pandemic for example, didn't get the attention they so deserved. The first film we're going to delve into is the gripping and gutting 2020 film Hunter Hunter by filmmaker Sean Linden. Hunter Hunter, a raw and forgiving survival story about a family living isolated in the wilderness who begin to think they are being stalked by a rogue wolf but soon come to find it's something far more terrifying, is a stark and nuanced genre film. Sadly, the pandemic robbed it of the ability to have a film festival run, which is so important for indie films, and the film was released in 2020 despite plenty of strong reviews from the critics, and it came and went with not nearly enough notice. I think it's one of the best genre films of the last decade, and deserved much, much better. With a stellar cast and taut lean direction, the film is equal parts terrifying survival story and intimate character work. In this episode, I am joined by one of the stars of the film and one of the genre's most beloved leading men. In our next episode, we will be talking with the film's director, Sean Linden. Our guest today has been acting since he was a child and over the years has become a horror household name, having starred in films such as Idle Hands, Final Destination, Black Friday, and the series starring everyone's favorite good guy, Chucky. When I started this show, I had a list of people I knew I wanted to speak with. People that have made major contributions to the horror genre. We've been fortunate enough to get to speak with most of these people, but this actor was always right at the top of the list. In today's episode, we are joined by Devin Sawa. Now, most listeners of the show will be aware that our guests are generally joining us remotely, but I had the great pleasure to sit down with Devin in person. We first met while he was attending the awesome horror convention, Frightmare in the Falls, in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. And at a later date, we recorded our talk in a restaurant, so you'll hear a little more background noise than usual. Devin is a lovely guy, warm and open and generous with his stories and insights. We discussed the ups and downs of being a teen heartthrob, why he veered away from genre films for a while, how starring in Eminem's iconic music video Stan helped redefine him as an actor, and why a show about a murderous doll is so damn important. So... Let's get ready to sit down with the man who had the best battle with his own possessed hands since Bruce Campbell, who thwarted Death's plan and has been killed by Chucky more than anyone. Welcome, horror's leading man, Devin Sawa. Devin, it's awesome to get to sit here and chat with you. It's a pleasure, man. I'm uh, a big fan of your work. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've been watching you like for 20-something years. Like, when did you start? Oh man, I started when I was like nine or ten years. Fifth grade is is technically when I started really? in the theater. Yeah, it um, it's a funny story. I I, I had a teacher um, who suggested to my parents that if I want to be the class clown and the center of attention, maybe I should go off uh, and join the theater. Um, so as a punishment, my parents put me in this really bad theater company, James Cowan Theater. It's no longer there in North Burnaby. Um, and it didn't help my uh, my school at all, but it, I, I fell in love with the theater and kind of went to the Vancouver Youth Theater, and and they had an agency, and it kind of just snowballed. And yeah. My love. This of, is in uh, BC. Right? This is in British Columbia, yeah, Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I started acting. Um, we, we we would tour. We'd all get in a little bus and we'd tour elementary schools and put on stage plays and. Um, 
and started doing commercials. How old were you at this time? I was 9, 10, 11, wow, yeah, right yeah. in there. Did you play sports and stuff too, or were you like a theater geek? I was I was <laughs> huge into sports. Yeah. I, was, I was from a, a hockey town. A lot of yeah. hockey was played. Um, uh, soccer. I played soccer. I was huge into sports. Because didn't you find, like I found growing up, that it was like you couldn't do both to like your colleagues? Well, there was a, there was a, a point where I, I remember a basketball coach at my high school pulled me aside and said, hey, listen, Devin, you got to make a decision. Do you want to be an actor or do you want to you know, do basketball? You know, you have, yeah, to, you have yeah. to commit to one right. of these things. And I'm just like, oh, brother. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And at that point, I was I think I was a Nerf spokes kid for for or for Nerf toys. I would do all the Nerf commercials um, here in Toronto, actually, or, or in Toronto. Close to where we close are. to where we are right now, um, and so anyways, I chose the right. I think I chose the right thing. I don't think I was going. I don't think I would have made it far in the basketball world. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not exactly tall, right, um, or tall enough. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I kind of just started to the sports started to slow down and acting started to pick up, and I booked Casper, and and uh, the rest is kind of history. Because originally they didn't think that the um, they were going to bring Casper to life. That was a, an alternate ending that J.J. Abrams actually wrote. Oh, okay. Um, and they so they cast a kid, Malachi, to do the voice. And uh, he was younger than Christina Ricci and obviously yeah. shorter and whatnot. And so then they, I, I guess somewhere somebody in the studio is like, well, let's shoot an alternate ending where Casper comes back to life. We want to see okay. what he... Yeah, yeah. And so they did this app, this uh, open search for a Casper kid. And I think because I was so damn pale in Canada, <laughs> I was like, I was the whitest kid they could translucent. find. Translucent. I was <laughs> basically as translucent as they could find. Um, and I got it. And so... How many days did you do it? I did three. I was there for two weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen him in forever. I haven't seen him forever either. Yeah. Did you show it to your kids? Yeah, they saw it. Yeah, they yeah. saw it. Yeah. What did they think of it? Uh, they like it. Yeah, they like it. It's kind of weird, you know. It's kind of weird for them. They're only uh, nine and seven, so it's kind of weird to grasp the concept that that's dad as a kid. Right. You know, all those years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they liked it. Yeah. You know, they like Little Giants a little bit more. Yeah. They, they hated Wild America. Did they really? Uh, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't stand the test of time. I think we. Back in the 90s, it was okay to have dudes in bear costumes and, you know, snake puppets on sticks and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Big mechanical moose. Um, <laughs> but you watch it now, it's like, oh, my God. Um, that was what, John and Taylor Thomas and Scott Barrison? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, but... Uh, How old were you into that movie? 17. 16. 16. It came out when I was 17. Okay. Or 15, it came out when I was 16. 15 when I... Because I bought a car with, with some of the money... When I was 15, when I did yeah, the movie. It was a pretty big studio movie, right? It was pretty, it was Warner Brothers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I couldn't drive it until I was 16, so I had to wait a whole year. So I did it when I was 15. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, like, what was the period? Because it's funny, it's like when I interact with like fans from the show and stuff like that, and, and we've had a lot of requests to have you on the show, and you're always like, I'm gonna keep sucking up to you like this, but you were like very much at the top of my list. Thank you. Which is how I tracked you down through Sean and Roman and all this stuff. Right. And here we are. But, um, but, uh, I, I didn't even realize you had this like full-on heartthrob status. Yeah. When did that When did that start? You know, it's funny because where I was in in North Burnaby, British Columbia, where I was from or where I am from, um, those magazines weren't big. They weren't girls. Like Tiger or whatever. Yeah, they, like, girls yeah, in yeah, my yeah. high school didn't have those on their locker. Right. So it kind of. Um, I kind of didn't know about it until I started shooting Wild America. Like I didn't know the the, the, the height of the I did the photo shoots and I was like I, I didn't really understand what what it was. Um, but then I hated it. Yeah. When I was seventeen, 
I was the type of kid that absolutely hated the thought of being a heartthrob yeah. or, you know what I mean? I wanted to be taken seriously as an actor. Yeah. And so that's what brought me to roles like um, Idle Hands, Stan Video, SOC Punk. I wanted to do things that were, you know, edgier and, and a little bit. A little this less. Is, this is this is how you think when you're yeah. in a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go through your, you know. Yeah. And I think and it's, it's got to be a thing, too, where it's, like, kind of hard to embrace that idea of, like, how can I be looked at as a serious actor yeah. if I'm, like, in teen? Well, my favorite shit. movies were things like Reservoir Dogs and, right. and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross and, yeah. like, Boondog Saints and all these, like, right. really kind of dark, you know, edgy uh, good for edgy stuff. And yeah. I was and I was doing Wild America, and so I wanted to, you know. Yeah. And so Idle Hands, I, I fought my ass off to get the Idle Hands because it was finally something that was not, you know, it was a fucking pot smoking oh, it's stoners. a crazy movie yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and so I love it too it's a fantastic movie do you, is that a movie that a lot of people still talk to you about it, it's definitely grown a huge cult following yeah I, I remember I got a phone call from Seth Green one year and he's like me and Eldon go to this uh, uh, rooftop screening every year and you should come and I was like okay well, let's see what this is about it's downtown LA so I show up there we ride the elevator to the top of this hotel and they got this screen projected on another building and there's all these seats and everybody's uh, sitting in them and it's, it's packed. And the, as, soon as, the, uh, as soon as the credits start to roll, everybody lights up and bongs really? and joints. And it was like the whole place was wow. just lighting weed. And so <laughs> it's definitely, it definitely has a cult following. They, they, the sad thing about that movie, um, I think that it got a huge, it, it, it got hit hard because it came up the weekend after Columbine right. and they started to um, a certain political party started to blame gun violence on uh, um, movies. you know movies yeah which that is, around, like, I remember when the Matrix remember all that when it was like the Matrix caused Columbine I was maybe was it, trench coats maybe maybe yeah. I just remember uh, Senator John McCain uh, had mentioned it in a speech on stage about how you know Look at what we, our kids have to deal with now. And yeah. Here's a movie yeah. right here, Idle Hands, a guy running around his school killing people. Right. And it's like really, like first of all, there's no guns in our movie. Second of all, it's it's we've been you know we we show these movies in other countries and there's no well, also like problem there. Pays even the remote attention to the tone of that movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I don't. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. they they needed something, and so we got hit. We got hit pretty hard. I remember we couldn't go to the. I got called the day before saying the premiere's off. There's protesters down there, and this was my first big movie as a yeah. you know as the lead, and, and so. But I'm glad that it's grown such a cult following over the years. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. glad that people are still watching it and loving it. And, yeah, I think it was like a Shout Factory put out like a pretty nice yeah. special edition stuff. A couple yeah, years ago. They, they cleaned it up and yeah. it's all 4K now, and yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. So after our hands, like, I, I have to talk to you about Stan. It's like, that yeah. was the thing for me, because I was a huge, still am, Eminem fan. Mm -hmm. And, like, that video was so epic. And, like, yeah. but it's a different thing, right, when you look at your relationship to, like, being an actor performing the video and then the song itself, which exists sort of in a different space, and then there's the video. But together, it was this powerhouse thing. Right? Yeah. Was that a thing that, like, would you say that sort of helped kind of redefine your, not necessarily your career, but the way people perceived you or whatever? Because it was, Eminem was as hard as it gets. You know, you talk about edgy, like, it Don't helped a lot. Yeah, yeah, it helped right. a, a lot. I, I, I had done Final Destination at that point. Emma, uh, Dre was a huge Final Destination fan, apparently, is what I was told. Um, but definitely, it, it kind of solidified uh, that the getting away from that heart, the team beat, heart drop yeah. kind of thing, um, which now I don't care about, by the way. But um, 
No, now you're older and it's like, hey, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's just part of my life. Um, it, I'm very fortunate that I did that video, I think. I, I, I think, I, you know, not financially. It wasn't, a, we knew that from the beginning. It wasn't, a, but it was like, I knew Eminem. I had a feeling Eminem was going to be as big as he is now. Like yeah. He was on his way at that point right. to being that big. Um, I was a gigantic NWA fan. Dr. Dre, Snoop, all that. I was kind of like, you know, that yeah. was my thing back yeah. then. And uh, I, it was awesome to be him. It was really just... Who uh, shot it? Who shot that video? Uh, DP-wise? Dr. Uh, Dr. Dre and Philip Atwell. Were the oh, drivers. Dre shot it. Yeah, he oh, was, wow. he was uh, him and Philip Atwell co-directed it. Okay. Um, and the DP, and I forget his name, but he does uh, the Sicario movies now. And like, he's gigantic. Oh, wow. yeah. I and I wish What's I... What's stunning looking... Yeah, he, that was one of his. He's done. He had done a bunch of music videos at that point. But now, if you look, I, I didn't know that he was. I, I recently went on his IMDb and looked at the stuff he's doing now, and it's it's like, it's up there. And when it came out and it became what it became, you know, yeah. did you have people that were just recognizing you from that video? They maybe weren't aware of your other work. I took advantage of. I was in my partying days at that point, right? And yeah. those six or seven months that that video played on TRL on repeat yeah. were some pretty crazy months at the clubs <laughs> and the parties and, and um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It yeah. was fun and it wasn't fun, but it was mostly fun. Yeah, yeah. It was mostly fun. So that Final Destination was before that. So Final Destination and Idle Hands are kind of like your entry points into the genre, right? Mm -hmm. So had you done yeah. any horror before those nope. two? No, Idle okay. Hands trying to think idle hands might have been my first horror experience yeah okay and then final destination and then final destination was my first pure horror right and final destination of course gone on now did this huge franchise and whatever and right love it. i think it, you know as crazy as it sounds i remember uh doing final destination and not being so proud of the fact that i was doing horror and i to the oh, point, really to the point where i would not not anything to do with the film and i don't and i had a deep love for horror movies but at that point, horror was not, I think because horror seemed a little teen movie-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would tell yeah. everybody it was a psychological thriller. Yeah, I remember that. Was that. My, I remember that. That was my, that was my, you know, that's not a horror, it's a psychological thriller. That was a whole era where like even some of the guys who were directing horror movies would use that term because they thought that people would take their movie more seriously. Well, yeah, well, it, it's, it's. It's it's it kind of weird. It was a stigma, and yeah. like you knew you were doing horror, but you didn't want people to think that you were, you were uh, doing horror because horror was ghettoized. Know, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, so you were doing yeah. a psychological thriller. You were doing more of like X Files stuff, right? You know, because that, that was, was if I'm not mistaken, I think feel like that's around the time of like things like I know what you did last summer and stuff like that. That's they were that very was, kind of teen body. Yes, like. and they wanted the latest teen, and, and those yeah. movies are all so great. Yes, and, they are. They're awesome. And we, I guess, think we all just want to be doing what we were all doing. Yeah, I don't know. We, yeah. we, we, they were so great. Um, so yeah, I, did, I just didn't want it to be called a horror. And now it's a horror. It's a fucking horror. Full on, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tony Todd's in it. Yeah. <laughs> the Candyman's in it. It's great. And now I now I try to do one, I, I try to do one horror a year. That's my... Well, you, I mean, it's crazy now too. I mean, jumping ahead a little bit and we'll jump back again. But like where you're at now and you're kind of want, you're like a screen king. Like you're yeah. 
people heavily associate you with the genre. Yeah. You've done a lot of other great stuff. Like, um, what's the one you did with Gene Smart that was so fucking great? Oh, the ha- oh, Hacks. Dude, love that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, amazing. Great. We'd be great. talking about that more, but this is a horror show. But anyway. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, you... you Gene Smart is... is uh, she's, you, We should talk about her. She's aw- Even if it's for a short second, which she's awesome. She knocked on my trailer door the first day and... and it was like I was at, I, I said hello and like she was on the outside I had to open the door she goes it's Jean and I opened the door and she was there and she was just Jean smart and she was awesome and, she's, I, and I'm glad you brought it up she was she needs all the recognition she's, she's such a hero to me yeah, I just adore that woman yeah she's great she's unstoppable she's as, she's she's, as good as you hope she is in real life yeah, too yeah yeah so. yeah I had that feeling. There's an actor named Dee Wallace. I don't know if you're familiar with her. But Star yes. E.T. And like yeah, of course. That. And she was in a, a film I directed, and she was a hero actor of mine. I always loved her. Grew up on E.T. and stuff. Right. But she has, like, 250 acting credits. Like, this is, like, she's one of those, like, yeah. character actors. And, yeah. and I remember the first day on set, we were, we were shooting. We'd do the first scene. And uh, William Sally. Uh, some of these two, like, veterans. And Bill was, like, very, like, easygoing, chill kind of actor. Like, he didn't need very much attention. And then he'd come and joke with you, get into this big, serious scene, whatever. And, and so I go do this and so I'm thinking oh well, that's how you're supposed to do it then like you, you know don't fuss over them too much so we go and shoot this scene with, with D Wallace and then at the end of it I go okay that's great we got it and turn to Dean I'm like yeah we got it and then D goes Kev can you come up and she was like I'd like to hear a little more from you and it was like that moment for me as a director where I was learning was like oh you have to remember that every person wants to be interacted with yeah every actor has a some do most, most do um, some don't like what's your when you're on set like what what's your kind of style as an actor as it were. I mean, as far as working with, with... Yeah, like, your, what kind of interaction do you want to have with the director? Like, well, you wanna... it's... Every director's different. If yeah, sometimes right. I want to... Uh, sometimes I want to interact... I, I, usually I want to interact with directors. I want feedback. I want... Yeah. If you are if you come up to me and say, hey, that was great, but I want you to try it this way, I know you're engaged. And right. So I... Then we're playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, then yeah, we're... Yeah. Then we're... I don't take... That's not offensive to me. That's like, you know... It's better than someone just sitting behind the camera and then you know that's it and then you, that scene ends up on the cutting yeah. room floor because they didn't like it well if you didn't like it why didn't you try to adjust it or yeah or um I remember Dee said to me she was like I want to know that you liked it that was like the yeah. description she I want to know you like it and I was yeah, like yeah. I was like oh right like because there's this thing I remember Brian Cox in his book said that he thinks that every every actor is desperately insecure oh yeah and I was oh yeah like, I tell it to the I tell it to actors all the time I told I just told it to Jennifer Tilly. I, I, I you know, that we, oh, we have a, we have an insecurity. To, most actors are, are pretty insecure, and we need to hear we need to hear a little, you know, <laughs> give us awesome. something. Yeah. Was, yeah. was, was I amazing? Was, <laughs> yeah. Give me that. Was yeah. I amazing? Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the toughest movies I did was Black Friday. Um, with Bruce Campbell. With Bruce Campbell. Yeah. And, and well, God, Bruce Campbell's great. Um, but we it's a horror it, icon. It God, was the yeah. start of the pandemic, and the rules for for shooting were really really tough and it was all at night and everybody had the masks on a lot of people were wearing hoods and beanies yeah. and like or toques as they call them up here um and so <laughs> Thank everybody, you for that. yeah Thank it was so very that. dark so it was a comedy and one of the things you one of the things that i need as a, as when i'm doing comedies is i need to re, i need to see the reaction of my crew, like I need yeah. to see, I need to see what you the, want to know what people are reacting the, to. If the gam, camera guy's standing there with a big smile on his face and he's trying to hold back, like I'm doing something right, or the boom guy is easy, yeah, keep yeah, trying yeah. to keep his his laughter, and then I, then I know that we're doing something right. You but know it's what I mean? Working. It's yeah. working. Yeah, you couldn't see that because everybody was just it was all just eyes. It was really That's weird. Right? It was really hard to do a comedy that way. 
a comedy in particular. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I saw that movie and I'm like, it's a, uh, it's a hell. Of, I mean, Bruce Campbell. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you must have had a blast. With I, I got to tell him that I basically ripped him off for Idle Hands in a, in a good way. It was. Uh, idle oh, hands. The well, Idle Hands wasn't wasn't Idle Hands until I until I went into the audition and did my best Bruce Campbell from Evil Dead Two. Yeah, you know yeah. there was one scene in Idle Hands with the hand stuff, and that was one of the audition scenes. And so I went into this room full of executives with suits on and everything, and I was throwing myself over tables and into walls and like doing the whole full, you know. Full on Bruce Campbell. And that was that was <laughs> I, it's because I grew up watching Bruce Campbell in, in Evil Dead Two and and Army of Darkness and yeah. you know it was all it was all. And Bruce, I feel like Bruce Campbell is one of those guys that like because he's uh, sort of thought of as a certain kind of actor. Some like, did you ever see Bubba Hotep? The one of course, he played? of course. He's so fucking brilliant in that. He's great. He's like a he's, beautiful, dramatic performance. He's a great actor. He was yeah, great. He was, he was yeah. great on Burn Notice. He was, yeah. you know, yeah. he was. I didn't see Hercules, so I don't really know. But right. but Burn Notice, he's phenomenal. And same with the, the all the movies. I mean, yeah, you know. he's always so and now good. he's. Pretty, I was. What was it? He was talking about the sound design. On evil, the on, evil the, on the new Evil Dead, yeah. and he was working on that with them. So he's very hands-on with those films. Um, but he comes from the Raimi school. They were all those guys all together. Yeah. You, those were handmade movies, right? And like, yeah, I think yeah. that's—I don't think they don't ever leave those guys. Yeah. Even though Sam goes up and does these like you know two hundred million dollar movies. Like, yeah. That's, I think that's always in his DNA. Of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you look at a movie like Final Destination, which like to me like how when did that movie come out? Two thousand. Two thousand. So I was eighteen, and like uh, that was just about the time where I was starting like get a camera and start shooting shorts and stuff. Like I shot yeah. my first, like with a crew, like studio lighting movie at 20. I remember Final Destination was a movie I kept watching because I was like, how do you, that movie I think is brilliant for setups, yeah. for set pieces. Yeah. That's, when you look at the Final Destination movies, they're not plot heavy, right? It's just like all these great tense setups yeah. for how is this person going to get off? Right, right. yeah, the yeah. Final, the first one in particular, because it was all new then. Yeah, um, you know, and the great thing with on the plane, and then it is, right. it's everything about that movie, and where you don't have, unlike most movies, there, there's Jason, or there's Freddy, there's Chucky, or there's whatever. There's no embodiment of the, the bad guy's an entity; it's death, right? Right. When you first read that thing, where you were like, "How the fuck is this gonna work?" Like, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it did. It hit different when watching the movie. It, it, Final Destination was the last movie I did that was primarily practical right it was it was a we use a little green screen for the plane sequences and the explosion in the background at the airport but other like all the bus the the train coming at us was a mirror it was all a lot of practicals and um what was interesting is when you read on on paper um you know the girl gets hit by the bus yeah right that's what you read so you envision that whatever you envision they took a couple days to shoot that and we had no idea i had no idea what they were doing like 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 they would have her stand there then they would cut to a different angle or it was a dummy standing there right. then they would run then they would lock the camera up they would run the bus through you know it was all this yeah, yeah. and then and then so you'd see all that you see this done over two days and whatever you're like what the fuck are they doing <laughs> and then they sat us down in this audience for the first time and whacked her with the bus. It was like, holy shit, yeah, that's what they yeah, were doing. Yeah. It was the, it was so satisfying that that was the, because the, Final Destination wasn't an easy shoot for me. It was uh, long nights to say the least, cold, dark. Who directed you know, that camera? James Wong. James Wong. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Glenn Morgan, his partner. James uh, Wong's great. He was X-Files, Millennium, yeah, that. Those they both were X-Files. That's where they got the script. The script was a uh, spec script by, um, by Jeffrey Reddick, who, 
put it in as an X Files episode. Okay. They found it and wrote it into. Mm, yeah. Yeah. They yeah. were like, this 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 is a great idea. I don't know if it works so much for X Files, but can we make it into a movie? And that's how yeah. that's how kind of it got started. Now, it went on to a bunch of sequels. Did you ever get approached about coming back? There was. Uh, talks with my agents and the studio behind closed doors that I'll never know what really happened but it didn't work out at the end of the day did you want to do it um it wasn't really an option right. it wasn't really an option it was gone before it was it was okay. it was it's uh, one of those things that just yeah vaporizes it, it, it wasn't uh, it didn't work out yeah gotcha so gotcha now uh, I'm just gonna bring this one up it's a little uh, more obscure but because we just lost Jeff Burr I thought I should mention that yeah. was in the movie with, yeah. uh, with, with Jeff um, and the great Ken Foy who I know and a lovely guy um, that's sort of like a period of your career where you kind of you kind of dipped out for a bit around that yeah time. I went home for about five years and um, quit acting I, I, I was burnt out at that point if you see Devil's Den I'm a little bit you know unhealthy looking and burnt out looking and and uh I went home for five years and it ended up being five years but I just quit I was I tried, got into some real estate stuff in, in uh, Gastown in Vancouver and did that for a while and, and then I for some reason got a, a script snail mail like I, I went to my mailbox and there was the script for Max Payne with Mark Wahlberg oh yeah and uh, I decided I'd just throw myself on tape for an audition yeah and uh, casting got it and uh, somehow I ended up with a new manager who convinced me to come back to uh, Los Angeles and give it a shot. And uh, I realized how much I missed the business and loved the business. Yeah. And it was the perfect amount of time to kind of reinvent myself as this, you know, young doctor, young lawyer, young cop, young, you know. More of a man and less More of a man, less, less college, university, yeah. you know, burnout, whatever, right. that whole thing. Um, so it was, it was a good little break and a, a good chance to come back and reinvent myself. What was the first movie after that break? Do you remember? I actually landed on a TV show for four years uh, called Nikita, which yeah. shot in Toronto. Right. Um, so I kind of disappeared into that, too. It was a certain audience. Um, More like action, right? It was very action. CW, yeah. Yeah. different kind of different kind of thing that I'd done before. It was... You got all jacked up for that, right? I was jacked. I, I When I quit, I decided to get into, as a hobby, I started to get... I, I went over to Thailand. I started boxing first, right, in Vancouver. And then I went to Thailand and ended up at one of these, uh, you know, hole-in-the-wall tourist Muay Thai camp things. Yeah. And so I, and then I came back to Vancouver and got into Muay Thai and ended up in MMA in L.A. and just fell in love with it. And so it was a perfect fit. Yeah. Um, to, to, so that's how I got kind of jacked for that. Parlayed into doing an action show. Action show, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a CW action show. So as right. much as I thought I was on a huge action show, <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. end of the day, they wanted to see nice dresses and cool suits and, yeah, you know, yeah, good-looking yeah, yeah. people. It was really weird. It was, you know, coming, doing... It was humbling in a way because um, I'd come off all these movies and stuff like that, and um, half the actors on CW, were, on this particular show I was on, were awesome, and they were very into, like, you know the scene and the characters and the development of the characters and yada, yada, yada. And the directors and writers were great too. But there was an, another half of the actors were just before we started rolling, like they would say, okay, we're ready to go to camera. We're, you know, rolling. But yeah. before mirrors would come up and like, you know, they, there was a lot of, <laughs> you know, a lot of this <laughs> and a lot of time. You know, how do I look? And yeah. it was, and I thought I was like, oh God, is this the way it's Did you ever, be? were you ever like, when, when you're doing something like that, I always wonder if, like, for an actor, because, like, I've never made something like that. I probably would, because 
scrap paper you're willing to make something like that. Yeah. But is there ever that moment where you're like, is this all fucking artifice? Like, is this just all look pretty and shit? Like, is this really, am I giving to give what I've got to give? I thought this? that that's the way it was going to be. Yeah. For, if you, the CW's like that. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. it is, it I mean, is like what it is. tons of friends who were actors. Yeah, who, who, and that's, they love that and it's great. It's got an audience and so power to it. It wasn't for me and, and yeah. I got on, I did this show for ABC called Somewhere Between that I learned quickly that it's not like that and, um, or doesn't have to be like that. You can, it can be, um, more about character development and story and you know um, and then Chucky is like it feels like we're making a fucking feature film every yeah. time we go to set it's it's uh, it's a it's a goddamn blessing to be on that show um, but again CW the, the Nikita was great it just you know there was and, it's a certain you know, thing it was a certain thing yeah certain so thing. after Nikita what, what was your first kind of return to horror I'm trying to I feel like I should know this, but it's not coming to me. Uh, I did a movie called uh, The Sibling? No. Yeah. I think so. The Sibling? I don't know. I did a couple of these really... Um, indie. Indie kind of, uh, you know, low-budget yeah. kind of horror movies. Yeah. Um, just because I love doing them. Um, I mean, you, that's one of the things that it's worth pointing out about. I mean, you've noticed this but in your career it's really cool to kind of look through your filmography and see how you weave out of you know bigger studio projects whatever like that but then you'll go and do these cool little kind of gritty indies well that's here's the thing every one of those indies I did thought I, I thought those were going to be a hunter hunter like right. I, I, every time I got that script I, I was like I never did once did I say oh this is this isn't going to be so great yeah I, every yeah. one of those scripts I got I was like okay let's let's, let's do this let's do this yeah and you hope for the next, and they're not all going to be Hunter Hunters. No. And when I say Hunter Hunter, Hunter Hunter isn't at, by all means a, a financial huge no. blockbuster, but it's no. a, it's a ninety six percent on the tomato meter, uh, great little flick, you yeah. know. And and so, um, but I did have I, all the the Molly Hartley I did, um, which I still think is pretty pretty okay. Um, really well shot. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a bad film. Yeah. What else was there? Yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's, you try to go into, I, I try to go into all these movies like they're going to be the next fucking China. Well, you have to, right? Like, if you start approaching your work like, well, this one's not as good, I'm going to give it this kind of performance. Yeah. Like, at that point, it's like, well, you took the job. You're supposed yeah. to give all your. Well, that's what Nick Cage did in uh, an interview recently about all, you know, he, he did a lot of those kind of movies yeah, yeah. that, oh, that yeah. and he said that he did every one of them, you know, he had to pay some bills, but he did every one of them with every ounce of, of his energy and, yeah. and passion. And, and that's the, that's what I hope that, that I do too, as well, you know. You do. Good. Uh, the great character actor Lance Henriksen, who has like 300 movie credits, yeah. said to me one time, he was like, uh, I asked him, like, when you have that many credits, so I was like, do you ever get one where you're like, well, on this one, I'll just, you know, I'm going to give it this much percentage. He was like, well, what would be the fun in that? Every time I do one, the, the thing that makes it fun for me is that I, I'm going it, it's all in. Yeah. And if I take the job, you get everything I got. Yeah, that's, I've worked with Travolta twice and he's, I think he does every fucking scene like he wants to win an Oscar. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, and not, not, oh, like he does, he just, he's there, he's there to work. You know professional. I mean? yeah, yeah. Professional. Yeah. I've worked with some other people that aren't like that. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? It's yeah. like, hey, they're there for, like you got six hours, you get, yeah. what do you want? Yeah. You know what I mean? I worked with an actor who remained nameless, but I remember like, being worried about just because the things I had heard what it was going to be like and I'm sitting there and it's going exactly what I thought it would go like and I was just like you're taking the fun of this for everybody man yeah. and that's not fair like yeah. you know hard to, the, everybody's here like are working and like the guy that you know the director has worked to get this thing made and now you're here fucking it up because you're 
not what you thought your paycheck should be bigger. You don't like the character. You feel typecast. Whatever. I just yeah. think it's like a, it's a, it's sort of sad when you see yeah, someone show sad. up like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at some of the great actors that you've gotten to work. Jennifer Taylor being one of them. Yeah. Like, none of them are those actors. Yeah. I'm sure, you, like you said, you've had them. Jennifer Taylor shows up. 100 percent every single day. It's yeah. it's she's great. Yeah. So, Hunter Hunter, like that's that's part of why we're sitting here is because of that movie. So I saw that movie. I feel like it came out during the pandemic. I'm yeah, right, sure right, right at the beginning of the pandemic. We could yeah, go yeah. to. It was it was so sad because. We do festivals. Nothing. We wanted to do festivals. Yeah. It was a festival. And that's movie. a festival movie. Yeah, yeah 100%. and and I guess whatever whatever was in the contract of the distributor or whatever felt like it was the festivals weren't going to make us any more money uh-huh. but that's a movie that Sean Linden deserved in the festival for him yeah. he deserved that well, he because did, that's what would have gotten him he got ripped off of seeing his movie with an audience that sucks like, yeah he deserved but that but I think the festival would have gotten him quicker his first Blumhouse movie or, yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that you yeah. know what I mean yeah. he needed some festival heat um, although he did you know he, he is still Climbing, but I just think that that he deserved it. Out of all of us, he deserved that to be in yeah. a festival because it would have cleaned up. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie that you look at like, and it's funny because when I saw that movie, I just remember like I did I I had no preamble. Nobody had told me anything about it. I just was like, I like best the way act- to go in. Yeah, I was like, I like the actors. I like the, the look of it. It's the, I, I like gritty horror films. Nick Stahl's cool. I was just like, this looks yeah. great. Um, so put it on, and like it was one of those movies that, like by the end where I was like, oh like that it's, yeah. it just hit me I was just yeah. like this is so great like so simple and so yeah just, and, and so um, it's like a very primal uh, Sean's no bullshit way to shoot and direct the, the movie just yeah. you know kind of get out of the way of the story but nowhere to put the camera in a way that tells the story properly yeah. like it's just it's lean yeah you know what I mean and it was I it, you know for having seen your work for so long I was like never seen Devin Sawa do something like this yeah you know and I gotta think that's part of what was attractive about that too. yeah yeah, like, uh, yeah. It took me uh, a year to quit smoking after that movie. Really? Yeah, I did. I was. <laughs> I, I smoked back when I was. Uh, I don't know why. I've never told that story before, but like, I, I smoked back when I was a teenager, into my early twenties, I believe. And so Sean called me up. He's like, because I was. I just said sign on. He goes, I want you to smoke in this. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. I could I definitely. He goes, no, no, no. I want this guy to be a smoker. When he after he finishes putting out a cigarette, he's lighting another one. I'm like, yeah. all, right, all right, cool. Well, so he's, he's like, do you want to have herbals or do you want to? Like, he's like, no, I, I want to do the real thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so by day, did you two, regret that? Oh, by day two, I was buying my own packs of cigarettes, and like I came home and I I, I, I hid it from my wife for two days until she smelt it on me. And it took me about a year, a year to a year it. and a half to to kick it. Yeah. It was yeah. crazy. But I feel like I, I, I did a movie as an actor where I smoked through the whole thing, like cha- like your time. With yeah. And it was actually part of kind of the bit of this character. Right. Was he would like light the next cigarette with the one before it. And it was the same thing where the, like the prop person was like, do you want herbal things? And I was like, no, no, no. It, no. It's going to be the real. Got to feel it. I remember like realizing I was smoking three packs a day. Yeah. And by the end of the day, your lungs hurt. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like you don't. Feel, it was by month two. I felt like I felt nasty and sick and gross and like, why do I do this? And it was horrible. But it's, it, for me, and like, I don't know if it was the same for you. It became part of of getting into the mode of that character. Yeah. Well, I, that's why I wanted to to have real cigarettes. I yeah. wanted to feel. I didn't, I didn't want to look like. I wanted to look like I was doing it for a while. Yeah. By the time, 
anyways. Yeah, it's that thing where it's like, you know, the wardrobe, all these things that help you kind of slide into yeah. what you're playing. Right? That's what that's that that's a big part of Chucky is people like ask me all the time, it's like I you know, I'm playing all these different characters and it's like how do you how do you get into the different characters? It's like once once I go through makeup yeah. and they put the fake beard on me or whatever and I put on the coveralls and you know, walk a certain way, it all just kind of, kind of slides in. Yeah. And that's the same with Hunter Hunter. When I put on, when I put on all that, first of all, they, it was in Winnipeg in the beginning of winter and the clothes weren't very yeah. good right. as far as living. So it, we felt, we felt that cold in our, le- yeah. we had that, yeah. that, that goosebump kind of feeling in our thighs and, and it, our backs started to hurt by the end of the day from carrying the, lugging those backpacks around and. And, yeah, it doesn't uh, look like a, a, a lofty shoot. By any it wasn't comfortable, no. and that played that played into it a lot. There was it wasn't on a studio. That was a right. real cabin in the middle of the woods that wasn't insulated. Yeah. So, you know, in we, Winnipeg. In Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was and it was they'd got they they gotten some snow and so they were trying to get rid of the snow, which created a whole bunch of mud. So it, you'd swap around all day in this mud, and it was nasty. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at the movie, it's like, that's all texture in that movie, yeah. you know what I mean? It's 100%. all a big 100%. part of, of the... Because that movie is one of those films that's like a... I've, I said this to Sean when I spoke to him. I was like, it's one of those movies where, like, I... Because I tell everybody about it now. I recommend it to, like, everybody. I'm always telling people yeah. to see Hunter. And I'm like... But I was warned, I'm like, it's going to hurt a little. Yeah. You know, I'm like, watch it. It's going to hurt a little, but yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like... And that's a big accomplishment, I think, for, for a director and a group of actors and everybody that was part of making that movie. Yeah. Is when you make a movie, you know, so many movies you see, like even if they're good, you know, you kind of go, that was great. And you walk out and you go yeah. back to Like 100 stays yeah, it, with it you. It sticks for, with you, yeah. yeah. The, 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 another thing, like you read that on the like Final Destination, when I read Sean's script, the ending is the ending, yeah. right? When you read it on paper, it's like, oh yeah, you know, that's interesting. That's kind of fucking fucked up. And yeah. that, that's the ending. But the way he executed yeah. the whole thing, um, the way she saw her daughter, but didn't see the daughter, so we left it all up to us yeah. to, to what what did she see before the ending? Yeah, um, it was brilliantly done. Yeah, it was brilliantly done, and it's almost it's almost good he didn't have a huge budget because it, no, he had right. he had to do things cheaper. Necessity is the mother of invention. And he had to use that. his. Yeah. He had to use his. Just like Spielberg and Jaws. Yeah. They had to figure out a way to make it powerful without money. I think Sean said the only thing was that fucking wolf shot. <laughs> yeah, he he struggled with that. And, yeah. And uh, it's so quick too that it's like I mean you know yeah I notice it it's like a little moment it's like sure if you had but that's just money that's all that is like yeah. it wasn't the money to do that but it's funny when you watch that the role that you're playing in that film and I'm like. It feels like the kind of character that I like. I wondered like what your what your prep was like. Kind of like how did you go about? Because it's a very internal guy. Yeah. You know what I mean. So Sean helped me a lot with that one. Yeah. Um, Sean told me a few times to ground to really ground it to really to really ground it and make it as real as possible. The smoking helped. Um, you know, smoking kind of, for me, kind of calms you a little bit. Yeah. So the cope, the smoking helped to just, you know, I wanted to, um, I always appeared to be just very internal and, yeah. and the wheels always turning and, and, uh, yeah. 
Because he's like this guy in, in the whole movie. You're like, he just looks like he has the fucking weight of the world on his shoulders. Like, yeah. He's just, yeah. you know, and he, but he's, he's also got, got his wife and his daughter in the, middle, uh, in the middle of the, the sticks. And, and The funniest thing too, man, is like when I saw the movie the first time, when... And we could do spoilers here because I, okay. Sean spoiled the hell out of the movie. Okay, good, too, good, right? good. When when he makes that pivotal decision not to report what he finds to yeah. anyone, right? And you're sitting there going, what the fuck is he doing? But then the more you think about the psychology and the pathology of this guy, you're like, this is what he would do. You know yeah. what I mean? But I, I wonder if... He's, he's protect his own family. Yeah. Like yeah. when you read that part in the script, did that give you pause at all? So when I first read the script... I, it's really hard because at page like 38, I die or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait a, wait a second. Wait a, hey, so Sean, I, I die on I three. I thought it was a lead. I was, he's like, he's like, no, you, we ha- it has to be like, we have to think you're the lead. We have to think, yeah, this is typical yeah. Hollywood. We have to think that this is going to happen. Because that's what you think. You think that I'm going to come 100%. back at the end. You think I'm yeah. gonna, but it's not. It's that the woman, the, 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 the wife, Camille is is the is the strength of the movie. She's she's the hero. It's and he used um he used Game of Thrones as an example of like John Beans. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah, episode yeah. where we all go, what the fuck? Why yeah. did he die? Yeah. Yeah. So that was his kind of. I don't know if that really was, but they made me feel good. You know, yeah, it was funny because I remember when I was talking to Sean. I said it would have reminded me of his uh, uh, in Deliverance when uh, Burt Reynolds gets taken out of the equation like pretty early on when the shit's the fan that movie Bird yeah. who's like the tough guy in the movie is down for the count for the rest of the movie and what yeah. you're left with is like you know the guys who are not prepared to deal with this thing yeah. for the audience now all of a sudden you're going well now they're really fucked because the the guy that's going to save the day is out of the picture you know what I mean I think yeah. that's yeah, here, well, right? when my character disappoint, disappears, we now realize who the real strength of the family is. Um, and the other brilliant thing about the film is Camille playing it so damn strong. Because yeah. um, it could have been easy. It could have, you know, you could have got one of these actors who, you know, wasn't as, you know, yeah. powerful. And, and But and, also doesn't overdo the strength to the point where she's just like stone. Like there's moments of tenderness yeah. with her. And there's of course, moments, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, Really, quite a beautiful performance. Yeah, it all fit really well. I think John, it's all thanks to Sean and and uh, going for what he believed in. And, yeah. So. And when you when you saw the movie, was it what you thought it was going to be? I didn't think the ending was going to be that good. Yeah. I really, yeah. I, he really, he really executed it perfectly. I think that the uh, seeing the shooting it the way he did with the daughter, um, with not seeing the daughter, just kind of like her look, and the. And obviously the, the skinning and the special effects guys did a fantastic job with it. Um, it was a lot better than I thought it would be. And I thought it was going to be good. I thought, yeah. you know, so. And it's a movie too, like I'm going to, you know, like, and I hope this little special I'm putting on will help bring some more people to it. But like, you know, we talked about how it, it, it kind of, I feel like that movie got fucked when it came out. I do. I just yeah, feel like... Yeah, of course. Of course. Like, I mean, that wouldn't be the first time one of my movies gets fucked. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, it, listen, it made... The, it made was, was it Rolling Stone? I don't, I, Rolling Stone's top 100 movies of the last 10 years, I think. It Did was, it? Yeah, I think it was... It made it on the list. Um, I tell as many people as I can, that's for sure. Um, I feel like it's going to be one of those movies, and this happened to like Carpenter a lot, and I said this to Sean, I was like, this is going to be one of those movies that's going to build its audience. It might yeah. take a while, yeah. but it's going to happen because more people will talk about it, they'll tell their friends, and, 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 and people will find yeah. it in their own What needs world. to happen, and I love Hulu, and I'm not, this is not a diss on Hulu, but it needs to go to HBO. 
Yeah. Or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's where it needs to land before someone goes, oh, what's this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of buried on Hulu. There's so much stuff on Hulu and... Yeah. And it kind of like... I remember the Blu-ray too. I was like, this art's... Uh, like, uh, the artwork is very kind of... Did you ever see the cover they put on it? I don't know which one they put. Did they put the black one? It's like with a the... wolf head. Yeah. Very kind of photoshoppy wolf head. And then, yeah. like, I think you and... Uh, oh, is it pictures know? of us? Because yeah. It, oh, it's I, very, I it's. I was kind of like, that looks like a... Just because yeah. it really directed DVD kind of... Vibe. Yeah, I... I don't know. They, they, there's, I guess those are for certain markets or... Yeah. I don't know why they make those covers. <laughs> they, um, they the always... original one sheet with the, with the, the black and white kind of picture it looks like almost a Native American yeah drawing. I've seen that one yeah yeah and it's just it might be Camille's silhouette on the bottom and then it's just our names that kind of gives it a little bit more of a Mystique. cool indie yeah horror film kind of vibe yeah I mean it's crazy to think too like it's you shot it in what 2020 mm-hmm. um, 2019 right, right before the pandemic okay so right before it yeah yeah so like to look at that movie now and see that it's four years later, pandemic's gone, whatever. But like, I f- I find it keeps showing up. Yeah. In funny places where I'll see an article and be like, like a, an undersea movie called Hunter Hunter, and I'm just like, so it is it is kind of eking its way into that yeah. horror zeitgeist. The, and- the right people have seen. I mean, you go into uh, I went into a meeting at Blumhouse and they were huge fans of it. Right. They were you know they 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 loved it and so. Horror people love it. Real horror people love it. Uh, people at uh, at uh, Fangoria love it. They they did a little, an article on it, and you know, people who like yourself, you know, yeah. the, the horror people love it. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, was it a character in the end? Now that you look back at it, you're like, that you're proud of that you're, yeah. you're, you're really. Happy I, I say that all. I tell people all the time. I tell people to, to to if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's because I really think it's like it's a performance of yours. I think that is like. But redefining for what people might think they, that they think they know about you as an actor. Yeah. But it also just like, uh, just there's no actor in that movie. I don't feel as, at this point that I could imagine any other actor portraying this yeah. character. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that it was a, it was a, a it was a great it was a great mix. Yeah. It's a great yeah. mix. Yeah. I mean, maybe Bruce Campbell. But no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then so and then and then and then Chucky. So like, Chucky, of course, being like huge like phenomena franchise already yeah but now it's going to tell me what point did you get approached about doing the show uh i think i my my uh i got given the audition by a very nervous agent who wouldn't know how i would feel about doing a chucky tv show there was a lot of people that didn't believe not because it's Chucky, just because you know they didn't feel like a horror franchise would would transfer over to TV television, television. Yeah. and uh, and it had failed on a few other things like Scream and stuff. They tried yeah, to do it I, I, I think that. Um, but after reading the first script and uh, seeing, I kind of had a feeling of what Dawn's um, vision was, although it, it definitely outlived my my expectations. Um, but yeah, this, I had a nervous agent give me the audition, and I was like, hell yeah. I mean, yeah. I used to rent this when I was, you know, 11, 12 years old. I used to go down to ABC Video and and pick out whatever crazy horror movie. And I was into, like, I was I was into the good stuff, like Shining and whatever. And I was also into the other good stuff, but the campier stuff, like Tremors, Critters, Ghoulies, yeah. 
uh, Child's Play, um, Pumpkinhead, Puppet Master, yeah, all yeah, that stuff, yeah. man. I, I just loved it. And so. Well, I, oh, I forgot to ask you this. I have to ask you this. What was the first horror movie you saw that fucked you up, scared the shit out of you? I was asked this at the beginning, so yeah. I forgot to this time. The first horror movie that fucked me up. There was an episode of. I, from what I remember, and it's very, it's a very vague kind of uh, memory. But I remember there being a like a Twilight Zone episode or something uh, about a woman who ended up getting stuck in her attic. She locked herself into her attic, and she ended up having she was gonna die there. She was a cranky old woman. I can't remember. It might have been Twilight Zone. And yeah. I don't know. That was the first thing that really it was all psychological. Like, and you didn't you didn't get to get to see her die. You just knew that once she locked herself in there, and there was no one for miles and miles that it's she over. was going. It's <laughs> over. She's yeah. gonna die in there. Yeah. And I remember yeah. thinking, oh my god, that's absolutely the most disturbing. And I had seen everything: Friday the Thirteenth, uh, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, all that stuff. But yeah. I just the thought Mike of like Myers, this old stuff, yeah. little old lady being locking herself in the attic, and she was doomed. Yeah. She's just gonna wither yeah. away and die. It freaked me out, man. It's funny. You're, the, you're probably the first actor, person. I, first of all, 90% of people say The Exorcist. Yeah. Everybody says it for, for good reason. But you're the first person who's called on something more abstract like that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, is also something that really freaked me out. And, and now I'm starting to understand uh, why. I saw, I think it was Tarantino that did an interview yeah. with somebody. And they talked about it not being gory at all. It no, it's not. It's, yeah. it's, it's all a mindfuck. It's actually a fairly bloodless movie. Yeah, there's yeah. like, they, they, they started mentioning the things that, 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 that build up the anxiety in you, the, the sound of the generator, the, the, the heat, the, the, the sight of the hooks, like all that stuff kind of just plays into the anxiety of the horror film. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know whether it was Tarantino or not. It might have been. He's but, a huge fan. So. Yeah, and that, and I, that all kind of makes sense to me because it really wasn't, that gory. No, it's not at all. It's and I think one because of the title, two the reputation of that movie. Yeah. But but also it's just such a well-made movie, a yeah. well-directed movie yeah. that there's so much that you think you see. Yeah. You think back and then you're like, didn't it? And then when you go back and watch, you're like, the you see some get put on a meat hook, but what you see is the front of them get lifted and set down on a thing that we know is a meat hook, but we don't see the meat hook put on and nothing. Yeah. It's all. Up it's here. all. It's it's sometimes that's that's scarier. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, like when when guys like Spielberg talk about like the, the thing you don't see, you know what I mean? And then yeah. the audience is like filling in that that what what yeah. is that thing in their head? Right. And that's so often scarier than like whatever when you see the yeah. The, the, I always the I heard gag. I heard a couple of film students talking about they had it's like they had spent too much time in film school or something. They were talking about There's all lots of those. Yeah. Like they were talking about all the reasons why Spielberg did certain things in yeah. the movie. And, yeah. and I just kept thinking, no, he just didn't have the money. So he had to figure out a different yeah. way and more clever way. And, yeah. and, and you know what I mean? It's amazing. Sometimes the things as a filmmaker, you get credit for it. Yeah, there's, there's, and you're just yeah. thinking like, that's close. Cool. Genius. You did that. Oh, actually the day I ran out of money. Yeah, it's so actually I had to the day shoot. your, your AD turned to you and was like, you remember when you had two hours set? Now you got 15 minutes. Yeah. And you're so like, we had to shoot all in one shot. <laughs> And then yeah, yeah. fast forward three months later, like, you were genius for doing that in one shot. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I've always learned to just be like, well, thanks, man. We really, yeah, yeah, yeah that's the way yeah, to do I, it. I, it's sometimes film school students come with the weirdest, you know, but God bless them. Yeah. God bless them. <laughs> so, you, okay, so Chucky, you get you, you get the thing, you're like pumped to do it because it's Chucky. Yeah. Now, the funny thing, of course, about Chucky is like you're in season three now and uh, you played two guys in the first season. Yeah. Both of them died. And you're brought back for the second one as a priest, mm -hmm. died again. It, was this the thing at a certain point where Don comes to you and goes, so this is how we're going to do this. 
you're gonna come back and you're gonna die every time. Like that's gonna be a stick. It's gonna be a bit. No, he like, hasn't. He hasn't ever technically said that. Yeah. Um. I didn't know first season that I was coming back second season. Oh, really? Uh, no, I was just I I remember having this incredibly flattering conversation with Don where he offered. We said, "Hey, would you, would you, what do you think about coming back for another season?" I'm thinking about bringing you back for another season, and I was like, "Yeah, I thought like you go, you shoot the whole entire first season thinking that you're one and done, and, yeah. and I love this, and I don't want to leave, and then all of a sudden you're being told, you know, there's a chance you can come back for another season. Yeah, I mean, it's the most flattering thing ever. Yeah, um, and then again for uh, season three, um, but he isn't like said, "Hey, you're coming back every single season." I mean, you know, I, it's pretty clear that's what's going to be going on. I, listen, I, I don't want to jinx anything. Not in my head. In my head, I'm like, I better, you know, do my best work and, and impress him. I mean, I'm not coming back for another season. You're the president. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. When it's, you cut that in the script that you were the president, were you like, oh, this is fun? Like, how do you react to that when you get a script and you're like, I'm playing the president? It's so much fun. It's yeah. so, it's so much <laughs> yeah. fun. I, yeah. You know, they, I I want to say more. I don't know when this is going to come, but they, they, it takes a. We, so at this point, um, episode one through four are out, and then we're taking a break because of the the strike. The strike, and then uh, five, six, seven, and eight come out at the end. And what happens in those with me and my character are bonkers, um, and I can't wait for people to see it. And it's so hard to even say anything without spoiling anything. But Don it's- has given me uh, a, 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 the artist's like dream yeah. role this year I mean when I look at the show it looks to me like it, you guys all like it looks like a, it's just a family kind of vibe mm-hmm. with, the, with this group of people yeah you know, is, that, is that correct yeah you I know, mean Jennifer Tilly yeah you know, the, the young I don't guys, I don't it feels like there's two worlds I, I live in the kids world and Jennifer Tilly lives in the Jennifer Tilly world right um, we did one scene briefly together on the first season and we haven't really worked with each other yet uh, since but we we go for dinner all the time yeah. and we hang out all the time yeah um yeah, it's it's got a very very much it's got very much a family feel on set. Yeah, because Don and you know, the crazy thing about Don Mancini is like uh, you look at like a John Carpenter or a Craven, all these guys who create these big horror franchises, Halloween, whatever, Nightmare on the Street. None of them stayed with it. Yeah. Don's been with this thing since a very and not in like oh he's an associate producer like this is his baby through and through. Yeah. So I imagine by this point he one knows it inside out. It's a huge part of his life, and two he's got to be probably pretty protective of it. Yeah. So are there ever things like when you guys are shooting where where Don and will be like, uh, no, that actually that's not something that's not right for Chuck here. That's like, do you see, do you ever see that protectiveness in Don with the with the material? Yes. Yeah. You, you you he he likes to micromanage uh, in a good way, the show. The producers are very good with letting him do what he wants. From what I've seen, I haven't seen anything like that. Um, I think this is the first time he's uh, as a gay man being able to tell his story fully without. You know, a, stu- a studio interfering. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that's, I think that's what I see going on. Yeah. He's, um, he's able to tell the stories he wants to tell. Yeah. For the most part, uh, which is amazing. And uh, yeah, but he, he definitely, he's very hands-on with the way he wants the show to look and to feel like. Um, and he's also very open to to us, you but- know. Being artists and, yeah. and helping him paint his picture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you mentioned, you know, like for Don as is, is, is a gay person, like, and one of the things I think it's amazing to see with Chucky is it. It's a really important show. Yes. For for that audience, sure. the gay audience, you know, like, and and I've talked to a lot of people because because our show has a, a pretty big gay fan base, and like, 
it, it's probably I would think right now maybe the most important thing in horror for that audience base. Right. Where they're where they're feeling the most represented. Right. And for you, like working on something like that, like that must be a really good feeling. It's a great feeling. Yeah. It's a great feeling because it feels organic. Right. It doesn't feel like the studio says, oh, we got to make, uh, it feels like this is coming from a, a gay man who loves the franchise and who's going to tell his stories and tell the stories he wants to tell. And, and, uh, um, and it feels organic. And it matters, right? It's yeah. like it's not just a killer doll thing. It's like there's something being said here. This movie has yeah. There's, there's a lot being said. Yeah. There's a lot right. being said. So, Chucky, outside of that, what's anything else you've got coming up that you're working on and coming together? Uh, I'm trying to, I'm, 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 uh, nothing right now. The strike got, the strike slowed things down for yeah. me a little bit. Right. Um, getting ready to gear up to finish the rest of the season of Chucky and yeah. then, uh, um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. When you do the next Hunter Hunter, and kick ass and come back and we can talk about it then I would love to thank you John thank you sir this has been a huge pleasure pleasure thank you you've been listening to Kevin Lane Spill Your Guts with host and filmmaker Kevin Lane Kevin Lane Spill Your Guts was created by Kevin Lane and produced by Jason Hill with special thanks to associate producer Mike Wilkinson. The Spill Your Guts theme and incidental music was created by composer Mike Hatton. Original artwork and design elements generously provided by Matthew Terrian. Additional elements and thumbnail art provided by Jason Hill. Spill Your Guts is only made possible by the support of listeners like you. And the most important thing you can do to ensure that these amazing interviews keep coming is to simply get the word out. You can find us on Facebook by searching Kevin Lane Spill Your Guts, Instagram at, all one word, Spill Your Guts underscore podcast, and Twitter at Spill Your Guts underscore one, as in the number one. Post, comment, share, like. But don't forget that good old-fashioned word of mouth still goes a long way. The best way you can support what we do is to just tell people about us. Friends, family, co-workers, whomever. Anyone with a pair of ears and a taste for guts. This has been Kevin Lane Spill Your Guts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>